Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey everyone, and welcome back to week three of our conversation on the Kung Fu Panda Trilogy. I'm Patch, and with me ready to create a great chi-filled conversation is my best friend and co-host, Aaron. Gadoosh! Yeah, there he goes. That's what I'm talking about. Three weeks later, and he I did it. it. He nailed That's it. Right, baby. Because right. he loved Kung Fu! <laughs> anyway, well, this week we're finishing out the last of the three Kung Fu Panda movies, and I am excited to get into that conversation. So, let this be your spoilery announcement that we are going to talk about this movie in detail. It's just only a few years old, I guess, relatively speaking, depending on when you're listening to the episode. So check it out and come back and join our conversation as we get into this. All right. I'm not sure if Kung Fu Panda as a property was originally intended as a trilogy, but it turned out that way. And I know, Aaron, you have expressed in the last couple of weeks that this entry kind of deviates a little bit for you in terms of enjoyment, not to a point of saying, don't watch it by any means. I mean, you've told me this is a five-star trilogy for you. So in terms of both a trilogy and a standalone movie with its own little individual story, how does this stack up for you in terms of your enjoyment level? Well, it's very interesting to be revisiting the series. I think a couple of years now since the last time I went through it, I remember watching through with my kids a couple years ago. And when I looked back at my letterbox ratings at the time, and this is a quick plug for letterbox and how much I love having that system. I'm such a tracker. I want to track everything in my life. I want stats for everything in my life. And it takes so much time to build those stats up. So I've started tracking my video games played and stuff over the last, I don't know, six months to a year, but it's really difficult because you don't have 25 plus years of that history. But with letterbox, I've been using it for so long and now I've done such a good job of trying to leave notes and logs or IE reviews that I can look back and see what I thought about something. And then remember, because Patrick, we're getting old. We're not, we're, we're approaching Uguay level here. We're not a nice spry panda in our youth. And so Just give us wisdom. Do we have wisdom of Uguay at this point? I know. I, I want so. his, I want that staff. Dude, that to, staff uh, is that epic. Staff yeah. is one of the coolest weapons in movie history. It's very yeah. underrated in my opinion. But <laughs> anyway, my, my point is like, it's cool to look back and see. Right. And so what I found out was when I had watched this trilogy, the last time around for me, it was five, four, three. Those were my ratings. It was a series of diminishing returns. And of course, here we are podcasting about it. And I've learned that that can oftentimes increase my enjoyment of something getting to, to go into detail. It almost never has had a negative effect because I'm learning more about it. I'm approaching it from a different perspective than when I watched these previously. And so really I have just fallen in love with the series as a whole because of the thematic core that perfectly is executed throughout the three movies. I think that very few trilogies are able to pull that off from one through three in the effective manner that this series is without ever sacrificing 
the pacing, the humor, the amazing animation that just gets better and better with every film and more varied animation, the action sequences, etc. And so while it, you know each movie individually hasn't gotten the better villain every single time or the better plot line every single time, those some of those elements bounce around between the trilogy. The trilogy? <laughs> Someone should make the trilogy. What the coin heck? it? Coin How it. has no one ever done that? The oh trilogy. my gosh. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Right there's a podcast. <laughs> about trilogy. Yeah. Yes. About exactly. Yes. Um yeah, so it's just it's been amazing for me and I've realized I didn't want it to end and I texted you this and I was not kidding this not was not hyperbole. I literally let the credits roll all the way until the end of the movie where my, where it just turned itself off. I, I don't I can't tell you the last time I've done that, but it was playing a couple of great songs and then it rolled into the beautiful score that I love so much and I just didn't want it to end. This movie ends on a beautiful beautiful note from a, a scene perspective and relationship perspective. And it just, I think it's such a great arc for Poe, for the people in his life around him. It's not just his story. It's about this version of China as a whole and everybody that lives in it, that is in his e ecosystem as, as it were in his orbit. And so I, I think it's awesome. And I'm just super glad that we chose to go through these randomly. Like, who would have ever thought? I guess I can thank my desire to take martial arts to inspire. <laughs> That's right. So when you're getting your butt kicked, you just remember that this this came out of it. So yeah, <laughs> it's still a success. That blood is a blood and sweat is worth it. It is. It is. Hopefully, I can get my chi at some point. I'm testing in the next couple of weeks for my yellow belt. So maybe I can get my chi before then. I, I agree with you in terms of the fact that it's a, it's a great trilogy. I do feel like there was a diminishment in terms of, I won't call it a diminishment. I think that there was a more of a 90 degree turn in terms of both tone and increased humor. And that wasn't bad. And I've, I, I guess I continue to make references to Thor Ragnarok and I will make that reference here. I feel like this entry was the Thor Ragnarok of the Kung Fu Panda trilogy in that I thoroughly enjoyed the humor. I thoroughly got several laughs. In fact, my son wanted to go back a couple of times to a moment. My son wanted to go back a couple of times in the movie where you had the character who was the lookalike, the Dragon Warrior lookalike, and both times. She would go skadoosh just very casually. He just cracked up at that. But that was sort of exactly what I think most of the movie was about. There was a lot more humor in it than its predecessor. Now, I say that because understanding that the predecessor, Kung Fu Panda 2, was a little bit darker than Kung Fu Panda, the original. So in terms of tone, we go from like level, balanced, drama, humor to darker drama to now it's kind of a heightened sense of humor and my enjoyment of the movie itself was was pretty high i actually enjoyed some of the elements that we'll talk about here in a few minutes more than i enjoyed the first two but i did recognize that when you take a an entry like two and its overarching tones and you sort of diminish those to trade them for a more elevated humorous type thing 
when you take those elements from the first entry or from the second entry and you amp them up to be less dark, more humorous, there is that kind of shift that is noticeable. But as a single entry, I really enjoyed this. In fact, I would say I probably enjoyed this in terms of comparing it to the other two, I would go one, three, two. So my overall experience of the individual entries were a little backwards. Even though I prefer the more serious tones of the second one, I felt like I enjoyed the movie experience of the third one more than the second one, but not as much as the first. And for me, I think it's an incredibly fitting ending to Poe's arc. I like that we got a lot of elements with not just him, but this new world of Panda Village, the Furious Five. We got to focus on a lot of stuff that was going on. Whereas when we look at the first two, there was definitely an emphasis on one segment, either him or the villain or his relationship with his dad or just the, or Uguay. They, this felt like more of a, all right, we're going to finish this off strong and we're going to make sure that we make room for everybody that we've introduced that is significant. And in a lot of ways that could be good or it could be bad. In this case, I think it was a really fitting ending to the trilogy. And I'm glad that we got it. I'm glad that even though we didn't necessarily need it after the first one, or really even the second one without that little stinger at the end, I'm glad that we got this story. Because it, even though it didn't necessarily feel like it needed to complete the trilogy, I think it felt as though it was part of that narrative ecosystem that we were getting. It didn't feel like it was the oddball. Like, you know what? We don't want to just have two Kung Fu, Kung Fu Panda movies. Let's create a third one. No, it really felt like it was done with intent, with purpose. And it felt like it came to a logical conclusion for Poe's story. Now, I will say there's obviously a TV series neither of us have watched. I don't know what that's about. And I don't mind checking it out. But in terms of giving me a complete story, I think this is my complete story. The trilogy is fine just as it is. And whatever the TV show wants to add, it can do that. But it's kind of like our vantage points with the Fast and Furious. We're good with one through seven. Anything after that, we'll enjoy. But one through seven is going to be our story of the Fast and Furious family. Yeah, I agree. I, and I don't think my desire to watch the TV series is not high simply because I don't know what it could add to this in terms of continuing on the arc i mean if it is jack black that's voicing poe i'd still want to check it out honestly i'd still be curious at least to find out what it does and how it handles the material and it could be really good i mean look at camp Cretaceous, right like it can work um but you're right like this is so complete that i just really appreciate that about it when we look at the trilogy itself it seemed like the first entry centered around poe embracing a calling in spite of his perceived capability, the second centered on finding inner peace, and this one centered on and discovering his chi. I will say of those three, I really enjoyed that mythos of chi. I enjoyed how it connected in a way that was kind of like the force in Star Wars. I think it kind of called out to that a little bit. I love the fact that the movie starts in this nether realm. So we get this really supernatural element that we hadn't gotten yet. We get the return of Uguay, which is pretty fantastic. We get 
a semi-epic opening battle sequence where his chi is ultimately taken away. And without the voiceover that we got from the first two entries, we get backstory. We get a sense of, okay, this is what the movie's going to be about. And it had elements of Star Wars to it. It had elements of Mortal Kombat in it. And for me, those being very familiar, to put those in an animated feature that are wrapped around a big giant panda, I think add a fresh element to those kinds of fantasy stories that we've gotten so used to. I love those elements. And of course, the visualization of chi, I think is pretty fantastic. I love the jade that we get where when you take someone's chi, you then get to use their power. Awesome. And it's, it's a great thing. It's a really cool element. And I think that when you add that, to this story, I think it really brings something special to this entry. Because when we get to the end, when you need the power of Chi coming from others, it really does harken back to that beginning theme of not just who you're meant to be, but what you're good at. Like there's one of the things I loved about this entry is the fact that Poe kind of reached back to his initial dragon warrior-ness of saying, look, it wasn't that I tried to create something out of nothing. It was that I tried to find that special thing in a person and bring it out of them. That's a fantastic teaching thing. This is what I'm trying to do as a, as a manager with my people, as a coach. I'm like, look, I want to know what you're really good at, what you're capable of doing. And I want to pull that out of you. I want to pull your chi out of you, not to take over it and to use it for my own gain, but to really make sure that you're successful. And that particular portion of the story was really, really uh, connected to me because of the fact that I kind of live in that world each day and trying to get the best out of my people. And when you watch that in that entertaining fashion, it just really amplifies like, This would be one that I would love to show my team, not necessarily like a youth group kind of situation, but really more about like, listen, you, what's your chi essentially? I mean, this would be a great teachable moment for, you know, a coach to his, to his, his, football team or soccer team after watching a movie like that, you know, maybe for nine, 10 year olds, you know, what's your chi? What are you good at? How can we use that on the pitch? Or how can we use that on the football field? How could we use that in the classroom? All those things really kind of came together and they just reinforced what we saw in the first film in that you don't have to be a special person to realize that you're special because you already are, you have something in you. And I thought that, bringing it kind of full circle in an indirect way was really, really clever. Yeah. I mean, literally this movie starts off hilariously with Uguay saying inner peace, inner peace. Like he is directly following on the theme of the first movie and then transitioning us from Poe having gained inner peace to now the next step is to mastering the chi. And it's this really awesome progression. Again, like I was saying in the last episode about where Poe goes from very, you know, bluntly kind of falling into this destiny and then inner peace. And then now this mastery of chi that takes him on this full cycle of defeating all of the different things in China that are looming. And I love it too. I love that awesome amount of great wisdom that we get in this film. Again, I mean, we start it right off the bat when we're explaining Chi and Kai 
which I just think, again, I like, like you, I think it's just a really cool system. Visually, it's stunning. And I think it allows for such awesome animation when the green swirls are coming around and the way that the masters like come out as green versions of themselves to fight for Kai. It looks so cool. But we get Uguay who says, when will you realize to, to Kai, the more you take, the less you have, which is an awesome, you know, piece of advice for all of us, right? The the line of Shifu talking to Poe, there's always something more to learn, even for a master. And then Shifu says to Poe later on, he says, if you only do what you can do, you will never be more than you are now. There's all of these great little nuggets in this movie about becoming the best you can be, right? And it all comes down to this like amazing moment it, it narratively i think it works out so well because you've got the threat to chi which is aka like the force essentially that flows through all living things and it heals and grows and i mean you can't around us protects us you, <laughs> you literally cannot look at it as anything thankfully it's not made of midichlorians but it, you know you you have this thing that he has to master and it just works out so well that it ties in with his discovery of his people who are still out there. And the fact that his people are the ones that mastered it, like they were not the Kung Fu masters. They were just the village that got burned down in his mind. That's all he knew. And that was all he found out last episode, last movie. Now he gets to learn that they had a purpose. They were special, right? And that's meaningful. And I think it's, amazing scene I, I literally get teary-eyed when they're going through this recognition at the end of the movie right they've gone through teaching him different things and they've tried to battle and they've failed and it comes down to the panda village and everybody in that village helping to save poe from kai and that's where they master their chi and they realize what you're talking about is it's all about like it's a very personal thing the chi is not something that you just you can learn from someone else like shifu tells you it you know it takes understanding yourself and they go into this beautifully cinematic emotional moving moment where it's like poe you taught us who we were meant to be and we get you know a father a friend a dumpling kicker <laughs> a lethal fighting machine a hugger a nunchuck chick sleepy baby which was hilarious and then you get a family from Mr. Ping. And I literally get teary eyed. And I like I wrote down in my notes, bring on the chi, baby, because like that's when they're able to come together using their own strengths together as a group to defeat the thing that they need to defeat. And that it's just a beautiful concept and something that I think we can employ in our real lives in a such, you know, you know, you know, understandable. We're not like battling people to the death out on the street i hope but you know this is something we can do we come together we put our we put our heads together we put our strengths together to assist each other and make the world a better place for all of us and that's what they do here and it's yeah it, it works so good in the context of this animated story I, I like the fact that we have a student becoming the teacher which is a very very much a samurai star wars type thing you know I was once the student, but now I am the master. And it's not that like dark, like Darth Vader and Obi-Wan, but there is this sense of just like Poe was sort of thrust into 
becoming the dragon warrior and realizing that it wasn't about his skills, that what he learned as the dragon warrior, he did have that chi. He just didn't access it because he needed to be able to connect with Panda Village in order to understand, oh yeah, the thing that makes me who I am is all of these things, all of this stuff that in order, honestly, Aaron, I don't think had he not had that aha moment where he starts reminding them that I'm not trying to teach you Kung Fu. That's not my job. My job is to make you realize who you actually are. And that's when we get to what it is that you're talking about. Had we not gotten there, I don't know that narratively speaking, he would have achieved his chi because of the fact that his chi was not, you can't define that as, oh, his chi came because he learned how to teach. No, his chi came from being reminded that just like him, each character in his life, whether it's his two dads, whether it's the Furious Five, whether it's these individuals from the Panda Village, he had to instill in them the thing that was instilled in him. And that's what I love about that moment where Uguay shows him when he picks him. And I think this is pretty clever on the part of the writers to bring these things full circle that Poe represents the beginning and the end of the story in terms of being chosen by Ugwe, which we said in the first film wasn't a coincidence. It was for a purpose. And in that movie, we could say that purpose wasn't clearly defined. It was just here you are as the dragon warrior and you're pulling out the best of yourself this movie really brings it full circle and says, you are the end of this. You are the yin and the yang is what he says. Because then that great animation sequence where he says, you are the end of this beginning. So the chi that helped me allowed me to get to this place where then now I chose you. And so you are the connecting point. <laughs> if we To harken back to a phrase that we nice. used to use between this whole thing. And I think that's what allowed Poe to realize, oh yeah, if I didn't understand my purpose, I was reminded that I still have one and that this is what the dragon warrior really means. So that's the other thing that I like about this entry is that it elevates what it means to be the dragon warrior, which kind of helps explain why Tigris didn't get it <laughs> because of the fact that there was a larger plan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's not revealed. Right. Yeah. And you couldn't just tell him that in the first movie. You couldn't be like, oh, by the way, you also are not really adopted or you're you're actually adopted and your dad's not dead and your village got, you know, bowled over and pandas actually know this thing called chi, but they're hidden up in some village and you're eventually going to learn it, but not until way down the line after your village when you actually need that to defeat a different villain after the next villain that you need to defeat in order to even get to that villain. Like, you can't tell somebody that, right? Like that's, that's a writer's room thing right there. That's what the happens in the writer's room. <laughs> right. But but that's what that's part of what makes this trilogy feel like so amazing to me is it feels natural. It feels like it was planned out. And either that's because it was and it was written that way, or it's because they did an exceptional job of seamlessly connecting the dots to where it feels right character wise progression wise but yeah. you're you're totally right you couldn't you couldn't work that way it has to be that next step in your journey as you're growing and learning more and able to take on more responsibility 
yeah, I mean, if we're going to take this into the the biblical realm, I would say this is a lot like the lamp into your feet, light into your path kind of thing where God reveals just enough in our walk with Jesus that if he revealed everything, we'd probably freak out or we'd have so many questions. And I think that this is a lot like that where Poe is being taken on this journey and it's allowing him to change and to grow. And when we get to meet his dad, his panda dad, it allows us to see this interesting family dynamic, this father-son dynamic where his dad brings him to Panda Village. And I was waiting for the shoe to drop, Aaron. I was like, okay, what, is he really his dad? Or is he just trying to steal him away? But it never did. And what we think, what we find out is that his dad forgot how to find his chi or how to use his chi. That because of that event that took place, because of the loss of his son, he lost hope. And I think that affected the village and they were sort of resigned to just live their life in this beautiful utopia where they didn't have to worry about anything. And the movie could have gone a number of different ways with that relationship. It could have created a level of bitterness between Poe and his dad. It could have really exacerbated, you know, you've got um, Mr. Ping coming in and how that's going to be affected. You could have created a really interesting subplot there. And I'm glad that didn't happen because, again, Poe is the through line here. So when we get this relationship with his dad introduced, of course, it's done in a hilarious way. It's kind of like this, anything you can do, I can do better. Oh, that's where I got that. Um, little lines like, I knew I wasn't living up to my full potential when I was eating, you know, and using chopsticks as opposed to his hands. But then we get into this level where we see those quiet moments with him and his dad, shows him the picture, reminds him of the fact that I thought I'd lost you. It's almost that moment in Indiana Jones where you have him, you know, Indiana's dad say, I thought I'd lost you, boy. And I think what we see is a father who cared so much about his son that he was willing to just sort of give up everything for it just to get him back. But the movie takes it one step further where Poe says, no, I'm made for something bigger than this. I'm made for a level of purpose that I want you to be proud of. I want you to see this. And, and there's that great moment where they have to fight the the jade statues for the first time. And his dad's like, oh my gosh, don't get hurt. And he's like, no, look, it's, I'm, I'm the dragon warrior. This is, this is who you don't know. And I want you to see that. But walk, watching that art kind of play itself out, I really kind of felt connected to his dad and that what's going to happen when my son leaves the nest and becomes his own dragon warrior when he doesn't need me anymore. Will I hold on to him and say, no, come back to the village, live up to your panda potential. And he's like, no, dad, I can't do that. I am more than that, but I'm also a part of you. And I think by the end of the movie, we not only get that reconciliation between Poe and his panda dad, but we also get that with Mr. Ping as well, where he sees how he affects Poe's life as well. And I say effects in the present tense because it doesn't stop. It's not like Mr. Ping said, okay, you're back to your panda family. 
I'm going to go make my noodles now. No, I mean, Mr. Ping is equally as much part of his world, which is so great to see that picture being put next to Poe and his mom when he was a little baby. Was it Poe and his mom? I can't remember specifically. But then you see Poe and his two dads right behind it. And it sort of creates this new kind of family. And I think that there's a sense of redemption. There's a sense of reconciliation that the story plays with where, again, it's wrapping up a question that needed to be answered. And how are you going to answer that question? I think it wrapped it up really nicely. Yeah, before I agree, I mean, I agree with you. Before I say more, I had a question for you. Did Do you think that it was at all less impactful for you? with the teaser at the end of the second film? Or do you think that that had no effect on the arrival of his dad and initial implications of him meeting his dad for the first time and realizing that this was a thing? Because we got the teaser at the end of two. It's that little stinger, and it kind of tells you what's going to be coming in, in number three. But that's our knowledge as an audience. Poe doesn't have that knowledge. So I just wondered, I noticed, and it's probably because we're watching them back to back to back versus, hey, I watched this and then three years later, the next sequel comes out. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I already knew like his dad was coming back. It didn't really hit me in the same way that it was probably supposed to hit Poe. I just wondered how that worked for you. I thought it was a little diminished, honestly. I think if if I had to go back and and do the cinematography for two, if I'm going to reveal that at the end, what I would do is probably pan in but have nothing said by his dad, like say, my son. Because what happened was I was expecting something pretty monumental from his dad. Like I would expect this panda village that had Chi, we found that out, and the subplot is that they've lost it, but it almost felt a little casual for me. And I think if if I either hadn't seen that stinger or if I'd seen the stinger with just this sort of silhouette of a panda and a pan in, I'm using the word pan too many times. I think that would have been better for me because we wouldn't have known who that was. Was it his mom? Was it a long lost brother? Was it a, I mean, we knew it was a panda and we, at that point we, we revealed, excuse me, at that point it was revealed to us that pandas did exist. And so it caused us to ask the questions, maybe there's more than one dragon warrior. And so when, he said, my son's alive, kind of Rafiki-like. And then we get him in this latest movie. It did feel a little diminished because what I saw was, again, played for laughs, but sort of a goofball dad, sort of like a Homer Simpson, where you had a, a dad who was excited to see his son, absolutely. But I didn't take as seriously as I would have if we hadn't gotten that extensive of a stinger. So I would have probably preferred not having it, honestly, or at the very least not having any dialogue. Yeah, I would agree with the no dialogue or it for me, I would have, I like the reveal of the fact that there are still pandas. That part of it is incredibly interesting to me. And I think impactful for setting up the next story, but I think it would have, maybe played even better had it just been a slow pan and then oh my gosh there's multiple pandas living somewhere and they're still alive yeah that's enough to tease that you're gonna be getting getting more pandas but you don't know you're not getting the reveal that his dad is still alive sure because that would have been pretty shocking 
um, out, outside of that stinger, I think. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I love the whole adoption theme in this. It's my two dads. It's beautiful. It's you know, blended family, you know, for divorced families like I'm in. It could be any number of real life scenarios and people have to deal with this. The fact that Mr. Ping gets jealous makes sense. You know, when you've been a thing for someone, you've been in a person's life filling a certain role, you have a hard time sharing that person. It, you know, you could be a friend and be losing some of your fr best friend's attention to somebody, to a new spouse or to another person or to work or whatever. But anytime you lose priority in a relationship, it's going to be difficult. And the way that these two guys go through in just a 90 minute animated movie, that arc of both kind of wanting to be Poe's primary and resenting each other to a, to some extent to learning their importance in Poe's life. There's a great line where they're talking to each other and Ping says to Lee, I realized having you in Poe's life isn't less for me. It's more for Poe. And that is how you have to think of it. And that's, yep. that's why I think this is a beautiful trilogy, man. It's freaking amazing. It's a kid's movie that is literally teaching broken families how to move forward and operate the best way possible. And mm -hmm. subconsciously even like you're going to get this message. And I love that. And he says, sometimes we do the, the right things for the wrong reasons. Another great lesson, like it, it's okay. You're going to make a mistake, right? Your heart was in the right place. And all you can do is move forward from that. He says he's hurt and he's confused and he still has to save the world. Like he still has a job to do. And he says he needs both his dads. And so that reconciliation between the two of them is just a beautiful thing. And it also has that great line in the middle of this, this point, part of dialogue and conversation between the two of them where he says, your son got mad at you. <laughs> Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> like his dad doesn't know that he hasn't grown up with him, right? It's a new experience. So he took it in a different way. And for him to be able to relay that information is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it all comes full circle, right? When Poe is at the end and we, we've been going through this whole movie with this idea of who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And we get that question, who are you? And that's what Kai asks him at the very end in the spirit realm. And he says, I've been asking that same question. Am I the son of a panda? The son of a goose? A student? A teacher? Turns out I'm all of them. I am the dragon warrior. And then I, I love the I love the humor in this one because you get that bam epic ending moment and then he finish he pauses and he goes get it <laughs> see the giant dragon get ready to feel the thunder this is awesome and that's Poe like it would not make sense if Poe had this incredibly insightful passionate emotional epic ending and didn't make a joke. That's not that's not who Poe is, right? <laughs> like, so it's so consistent and and it's just so beautiful. And then along with this whole chi and meeting in the Panda Village, something else stuck out to me that I found really interesting this time around, Patrick. Poe is talking to the villagers. He's meeting them and stuff, and he's like, Oh, baby pandas, you know, they're so cute. And he's he's like, You're like me, but a baby. And he's like, You're like me, but old. And he's you're like me, but fatter. You're like me, but with a hat. You all look like me. And I had this moment of epiphany and I was like, man, 
Can you imagine what that would feel like? And it, and it made me think about it in context of today's world, right? And why so many people fight extremely hard for representation and whether in all facets of life, but we, you know, we can talk about it in terms of like just movies, media, whatever the case may be, but in jobs and in athletics and all of these things, there is a comfort and a validation to seeing people like you. And if you, it just made me imagine like Poe is essentially, if, if he's someone who's never seen anybody like him doing a thing that is successful and unique and special, like for him to see that, oh my gosh, there's this whole world of people that are like me that have been able to attain blah, 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 blah. And, and that are, are, are amazing. It, it's important. It is important. And it just, it kind of hit home for me. Like I get it a little bit better now, even though I don't think I didn't get it before, but a great kind of a message within this story that is a pretty simple thing added to it. That's not a huge subplot that gets a bunch of, you know, spotlights put on it to point it out, but it made sense for me this time around. So I want to, I want to extend that a little bit by saying that you consider the both and portion of this, where when Poe has that revelation, I am this and this and this, I'm all these things. And that's what makes me who I am. And when you go back to what you were talking about, there is that beautiful moment where there is, <laughs> I wish the me too hashtag hadn't been hijacked because it had more positive meaning for me before it became what it did. There's value in being connected based on that common characteristic. You're like me only with the hat. You're like me only this. You're like me. And there is some incredible comfort in that. You're absolutely right. That when you find people that look like you or that share, you know, in, in the case of this movie, a a physical connection or a cultural connection, you know, we're all pandas. That's incredibly beautiful. The extension to that that I think the film does incredibly well is that by the end of it, it's not that they're all bonded because they're pandas. Because now you have the Furious Five, you've got, or at least at the point before the Furious Five become reunited, you've got Tigress and Shifu and all these pandas with their special abilities. And you've got Mr. Ping and you got Poe's dad, all with their, their chi that brings Poe back, that help him defeat. And it's those abilities. It's also who they are that allow them to bring him back from the outer world and defeat this big bad guy. And I think that's beautiful as well, because I think the film recognizes that you aren't just. And I think that by the end of the film, we get the fact that when Poe looks at all these pandas, he's not seeing just that they're like him. He's seeing equally as much they are like him and that maybe more so, or at least on equal footing, they are those that can hug. <laughs> they are those that can dance and use nunchucks. Their abilities and what they bring to the table, what they bring to the community to elevate and strengthen one another is what makes them who they are. Their common ground is what they bring, not just what they look like or where they come from. The cultural value there, I think, is important but I like the fact that it's also added to with these other abilities that are of equal importance. It's not just that Poe has found his panda family 
that Poe has found people that are like him. It's that along with that, he can have people, have people, have pandas in his life, have others in his life that share a common ground that goes beyond just that identity, that it's not singular. And I think that's pretty beautiful too. Yeah, absolutely. I think 100%, it it all is a combined effect. Um, yeah. He's finding people, he's finding his people. I, I don't care, people, pandas, whatever. We can say people. <laughs> it's people. hard to not say people, but like he's finding his people in all different aspects. And absolutely. That is what makes the totality of understanding who he is Mm-hmm. And coming to term, being content with who he is, yeah, and and essentially unlocking his potential, his right. highest potential. Well, in that pivotal moment of you can be more, and you should be more than that. A panda, a son of a panda, or a son of a goose, or a teacher, or a student. I mean, it can be all those things, and it should be all those things because every time you add a piece to yourself. As you live life, 15 years ago, I was a boyfriend. 13 years ago, I was a husband. Eight years ago, I was a dad, but I was still a husband. To an extent, I was still a boyfriend if I can get away with having date nights with my wife. But I'm also a a follower of Jesus since 1989. That hasn't changed. And so there's there's a sense of adding to that identity or creating a more rounded persona that I think the dragon warrior as a character represents all those things. And they make him who he is, which is pretty beautiful. One of the things that this movie does that I think is not curious, but we see more of the furious five, not just fighting, but dialoguing. I don't know that I caught that as much in the second entry. Maybe I just wasn't listening, but I felt like I found a lot more dialogue between pairs, like either between Crane and Monkey or between Viper and Crane. Obviously, Tigress had a lot to say, and so did Shifu. Of course, he wasn't part of the Furious Five, but you know, part of that core. And I wasn't sure going into it if I liked all that because I'd gotten so used to them sort of being just the fighters and not necessarily having a lot of dialogue. But this entry, I think I really enjoyed it because we got to hear more fun one-liners from these voice actors that we have both agreed is just phenomenal. It's such a great voice cast. And I think that as the movies have progressed, the writers have made more opportunities to hear from these characters. I don't necessarily think it rounds them out or gives them any more interesting traits, but I do believe that having them say more and giving them sort of a little bit of individualness really kind of allows us to enjoy the Furious Five as a component of what the overall story is trying to say. And I didn't know if that was something that you liked, if you thought that it changed it up a little bit for you, or if you thought, yeah, this is par for the course. Yeah, it's par for the course for me. I, I didn't think that there actually was more, so I didn't notice that. It's interesting. I, I will. I wonder if it's because there are a couple of different moments where the Furious Five are alone without Poe, so that's probably why that comes up. Specifically, the one that sticks out to me, in because it's hilarious and cute, is just with Crane and Mantis, because they're off to take on Kai by themselves, and we get that great 
dialogue and one-liner of, you know, just because you say wings of something before does before it doesn't mean you're doing a special move. And he's like, wings of disagreement. Yeah, exactly. Wings of podcast. <laughs> and then he gets, right and then he gets hit and he goes, wings of regret. <laughs> That's going to be my new thing is wings of regret. I love it. I love that. And But again, why do I love that? I don't love it just because it's a one-liner that's really funny in context. It's a one-liner. It's funny in context of the entire trilogy because we've been watching Crane do wings of blah, blah, blah throughout the film series. He's done it two or three times up until this point. And so because of that, I'm connected to that. And so that joke makes more sense. If he just did it this once and, and man just had that reaction, it wouldn't have the same weight as it does if he's saying it based on him having tried it multiple times. So I love that way of building things up. But yeah, I actually, the one it's weird because that's probably the one thing that I didn't even really hone in on at all was the Furious Five in this one. I thought that they were kind of on the outside as much as any of the films or more so than any of the other films. And it was fine. I thought that they were where they needed to be. I thought they fit into the story slotted in perfectly. I think that pushing them in any more would have been a mistake because you're already trying to introduce this whole other relational aspect for Poe. His relationship with the Furious Five was cemented in movie two. That's what that was about. And that's the ending of that movie. And that's where they come to. He's hugging Tigress, right? Like it's powerful. So now... There are those great scenes in the beginning of this where they're training and he becomes their master. And <laughs> and it's just, it's just just funny. It, it will never not be funny to think about it that way, of course. But uh, and you get that moment with Tigris who hunts him down into the, you know, the panda village to train him and help him. And that's beautiful as well, which I think is great because I just love the two of them's arc throughout the film. But that's always been the highlight is those two's arc with the other ones playing very peripheral um, kind of supporting roles. And it, and it works perfectly for me. So no harm there. Just wasn't no, I, something that stuck out. I agree. And I think, I think you said something that probably caused me to observe that, which is that there are more individual moments with the Furious Five apart from Poe, like the two and with Tigris and Poe. And I think that it's fitting that during those battles, they start breaking up. The Furious Five are not the Furious Five in this movie. They're the five individuals with Poe that are dealing with their own stuff. And I think it adds to what you said, a little bit of the the lore in a humorous way to kind of get them on individual footing so you get a little bit more voice from the characters. Because the Furious Five were just that in the first two entries. Apart from Poe and Tigris, it was always them. And so when you get broken out scenes like that, I think it adds to a little bit of the, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I knew I liked him for that reason. I knew I liked Monkey, or I knew I liked, you know, Crow, yeah, that kind of thing. And so, or I knew I liked Crane for that. And so looking at them, I think you're exactly right that they were just enough part of the story to add tension. And really, to be honest, I think that with the exception of Tigris, the rest of the crew were there to really bring Kai on as a villain 
to show off his prowess. And of course we get that one agreed. We get that one battle sequence where everybody but Tigress gets jaded. <laughs> That's great. Nice. I'm funny. Very nice. I'm a funny guy. They get jaded. I love his weapons. His weapon is oh, sick. I don't care. It, it really is. Sick. Yeah. And it's really interesting because of course J.K. Simmons is Kai is fantastic. I mean, he's just right on par with this incredible voice cast. And at the same time, as a villain, he feels a little bit underdeveloped for me. Not bad. He's still a lot of fun. He's got some really cool toys. I mean, he's kind of like the Joker, only without that kind of interesting level. He gets introduced early on as being in this nether realm, and he comes back again, that Mortal Kombat kind of callback. But at the same time, he feels a little bit half-baked because we don't get a lot of time with him. Just like the other two villains, we get a little backstory. We get agency for why they are the way they are. And we're sort of told through a backstory with Ugwe about why he is the way he is. But I didn't feel like he was necessarily given enough screen time for me to care as deeply about him. Maybe that was the right call because really this was about finishing out Poe's arc and getting him to become the true dragon warrior. It didn't diminish any of the battle sequences. I thought they were all really great, but of the three, I think Kai is probably my least favorite, but that's taking it down to a notch of like, I enjoyed him a lot. I enjoyed the other ones a lot more. So his, his presence was not distracting. I think that he added just enough, but for my take, I'd love to have seen a little bit more from him. Yeah, I guess I get that. I do. I this time around again, it's five star trilogy for me now. So I think that they're all incredible in their own ways. I think one of the things that is really cool about each one is they feel to me a little more menacing each time. And I think Kai is the greatest threat because we get his backstory and awesome awesome opening awesome spirit realm we've never been there before we get to learn this new thing great animation opportunities all that stuff but like this is a guy who literally has consumed the powers if you will he's like a superhero i'm trying to think of the superhero that does this who takes the it's like rogue but like all of them at one time right like how do you beat that if you can take all of the best from the best and and have it all at your disposal, you become nearly unbeatable. And even when Poe goes for the Wuxi finger hole, right? And learns, oh, but you're a spirit realm guy. You're not fully mortal right now. So I can't even use my move. Like he is a threat among threats. And you're right. His motivation is not as big of a threat in a sense, because Shin is trying to rule over the entire world of China or the entire nation of China. Um, whereas Kai feels much more like on a personal vendetta just to own all of the masters. I really liked it. I really loved the way he was introduced. And I think when it comes to the villains in this series, this is the way I would put it due to the runtime of these films. I think that they have to take less time to establish the villains. And so I really appreciate the series for the way that they take a real economical approach with their time and by focusing on the emotional thematic core and heart of the stories of Poe's character development. The villain is a bit of a, a method to the madness like he he or a result of it like he's not 
everything Poe needs. He is only a piece of this story. This is not just about, this is not a trilogy about just killing the bad guy, okay? This is not John Wick, where it's just fight, 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 fight to kill the final boss, and then it's over. The villain is but a singular part of driving this impact. The larger impact is the relationships around Poe. It's all about that final shot, right? In the movie, it's about... It's kind of like the end of Star Wars when they're getting their medals and they're standing there together and smiling at each other. It's a beautiful last shot where they spin around the palace and Poe has the staff and they're all in the they're up on the the stage together. The Furious Five is and they're looking out over the the, the courtyard and it's all their friends and all the pandas and villagers and they're teaching everybody how to use chi. They're sharing it with the world. And he saved it. And he changed the world for the better. And it wasn't just about beating the villain. It was about becoming what he needed to be in order to do this. So there's stories where you just beat the guy that is the threat. And then there's this, which is in doing that, that was just a part of your process to actually creating you that is going to have a bigger impact in the entire world for the betterment of the world that goes beyond just saving it i guess that you're taking an active role in changing it for the better and so for me i think the villains were great in the whole series because if we got too much of them it would just, we could get more and i would like more it would be entertaining to get more but you push the runtime i think and when i agree. You do that you start to lose other pieces of that that nice pacing that you've got going, but it's an awesome world, and I yeah. like the villains, and this is where I would almost love to see prequel-type activity. Like, give me a series that doesn't have Poe, but that is set in this world, animated in this world with great voice cast, that goes back and, like, gets me up to the point where Tai Lung is in prison, or gets me you know, up to the point where Kai is in the spirit realm. Like, what? how did he take on all those masters? Like, those are the cool stories, I'm sure. That would be neat to see episodic content on. Um, but I don't need it for the trilogy, personally. No, I agree. And I think you as well spoke. I think to, to use an SAT approach, I think the Furious Five were to Kai what Kai was to Poe as a means to an end with an entertainment value and enough on screen that he didn't feel like he was just flat. And again, my entertainment was not diminished one bit, I think because I'd gotten what I got from the first two entries. My expectations got a little lower with J.K. Simmons as Kai, but again, you're coming down from like a fantastic to great to really good, that kind of thing. And as I said before, this third entry was actually my second favorite, so... Apparently the villain didn't, you know, what I wanted from the villain didn't necessarily diminish it too much that it took it down to, to number three. Well, I don't have anything else, Aaron. If you do, if you want to call out anything else, uh, we can wrap it up. Yeah, man, I don't think so. I just hope that if even one person has listened to these conversations and been inspired to revisit the series or has maybe felt their own appreciation of it increasing in some way. Like that would be my dream. Honestly, that would make my day. And it would be awesome to hear from people. If that happens, it's always great mm -hmm. to like, know if you've had an impact in any way, not that we're trying to have an impact. We're just talking about movies we enjoy. And that's yeah. 
the beauty of it. I'm just grateful that we did this. This randomly came up, like I said, at the very beginning of this show. I like the new approach we're taking and and more of a fly by the seat of our pants. What are we hyped for in the moment? What do we want to talk about? Sometimes that'll be new stuff. And, you know, if listeners, we're not, we're not, (laughs) it's almost like crazy to say we're not doing it for them. We're not doing it for you people listening right now as much as we're doing it for ourselves. And hopefully that will be more entertaining for you listening in the long run. I think it will. So yeah, yeah, I'm just so glad we did it. And, And I'm hyped to, move on to next week. I think next week we're going to do a silent voice, which was mm-hmm. uh, the film that uh, our listener, Audie Thacker, who um, petitioned for us to do. And I'm really, really, really excited about that too. So yeah, it's just, we're in a great place, man. Um, yeah. And go Poe. Go Poe. Let's get our chi on any way we can. Listen, if you've, uh, if you've gotten through this conversation, then you've been spoiled a lot and that's fine. But if, uh, if you're listening to this for some reason, and you haven't seen the movies as of this point, the first two are on Netflix. So if you're one of the many millions of Netflix subscribers, you can obviously check out the first two in their entirety and then come back and enjoy those conversations that we've had. In the meantime, we hope your chi is good. We hope you find your inner peace or your, if you, if you don't have it, whatever your dragon warrior looks like, we hope that you achieve that as well, whether here or in the nether realm. In the meantime, we'll uh, keep this conversation going soon. Talk to you guys later. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Feelin Film or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.